When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. Hope you enjoyed uh, yesterday's episode with Calvin Beton, our resident tennis coach. Uh, he is in action at Surbiton today. He's got... Two players in the same tournament, so he's a very busy man indeed. So it's just me today to look back at day eight at Roland Garros, the first day of the fourth round when tennis gets a little bit more intense. Things go down to two courts, the uh, running order for the day is a bit less frantic, and generally the pace for people like me gets a little bit more relaxed, but also a bit more intense for the players. Um, I'll start off with the men's draw because... I don't know how long I'm going to spend on it. And the reason for that is that Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz produced identical scorelines in their fourth round victories. Novak Djokovic beat Juan Pablo Varillas, 6-3, 6-2, 6-2, in just an hour and 59 minutes. Uh, The difference for Alcaraz against Mazzetti was that he needed 12 minutes longer, but otherwise it was 6-3, 6-2, 6-2 once again. Um... Both players are are good to watch because they're very, very good tennis players. But increasingly, and I thought yesterday would be the moment where Mazzetti is the first guy to challenge Alcaraz, but increasingly, this all just feels like a preamble to Djokovic versus Alcaraz on semi-final day. And that's no disrespect to Stefan Tsitsipas and Karen Hatchinoff, who will play Alcaraz and Djokovic respectively in the quarterfinals. But... I mean, how can you think anything other than that, really, given... I mean, Djokovic hasn't looked comfortable uh, sort of in his demeanour and on court, but the scorelines have been very comfortable. Um, And, you know, I think we know by now that Djokovic kind of needs some of that enmity and some of that drama to fire him up, but he even kind of said it a little bit um, the other day. So, yeah, I think... I think he kind of welcomes that and, you know, he he has a bit of... Well, sometimes it's genuine um, animosity with the crowd and other times it's sort of, as it was actually against various kind of pantomime. 
Um, when he, you know, Varius hit a winner, I think Djokovic was like 4-2 in the first set. Varius hit a winner and he kind of waved his arms around in frustration and, you know, the crowd got involved and started jeering and he kind of, you know, acknowledged it. And then two points later, he, well, he saved breakpoint and then held and, um, you know, he sticks his finger to his ear but then has a bit of a grin and, uh, you know, it was a different feeling from the, the previous match when I think he genuinely... You know, he said afterwards, he said a few individuals are disrespectful on the court um, and that's not right. So, yeah, he, you know, he, he sometimes looks, you know, he doesn't like the wind, but he still plays bloody well in it. So I'm not convinced that it bothers him that much. Uh, Alcaraz looks a bit more comfortable just in terms of demeanour and body language. But as I say, the scoreline is exactly the same. He was playing a much better player in Lorenzo Mazzetti, the number 17 seed. But... I was actually really disappointed in this match because I think Mazzetti had a chance of competing. Uh, he has beaten Alcaraz on clay last year and I just didn't think he ever really engaged with the match. He, he was too love up. He broke in the very first game. Uh, he then lost the next five games and never really threatened beyond that, I would suggest. Um, you know, he... He did get a break back in the uh, in the second set, but it was then immediately broken again and, and literally didn't win another game the entire set. And it's like, well, you know, he was hitting drop shots from behind the baseline that were just never going to come off against one of the quickest players on tour. And Yeah, like I said, I didn't want Alcaraz to lose because I think Alcaraz Djokovic on Friday is going to be a, a really exciting occasion if we get it. But I did want a good match and I wanted him to be tested because I think players like that who push him can bring the best out of him but unfortunately um, Mazzetti didn't really show any interest in doing that and yeah like I said I think that was a real shame and I felt a bit sad for the people who paid to come and watch it because they probably saw the running order and thought oh hello we might might see something different from from Alcaraz and you know they didn't they just just battered him um, afterwards, Mazzetti called him physically, mentally, and even on the game side, it's really complete. It's a really complete player, which is something that lots of people have said this week. John McEnroe has said it. Alcaraz himself has said he feels like he's a complete player. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's quite quite impressive. Uh, Mazzetti also said, I was too worried about him. I was always too much in a rush during the game. I think that's quite interesting to say I was too much worried about him because Stefano Sitspas, who beat Sebastian Offner, uh, the qualifier, who obviously, you know, is a different, probably a step down in, in ability from Sitspas, but Sitspas did say he played really well. And, you know, obviously that sets up him in a quarterfinal with Alcaraz, who he has never beaten. Alcaraz has a 4-0 head-to-head record against him. And... Rather than saying, I just need to play my own game and focus on what I do, he actually said, like, he talked a lot about Carlos. He's very energetic. Um, he doesn't give you gaps where his attention is not there, which I thought was interesting. You know, he doesn't have those concentration drops that some players have, or at least six person think he does. And it was quite interesting. He said, getting to play him as much as possible will eventually give you more chances, perhaps, to beat him, if that makes sense. Now... There's an extent to which that is quite simply a law of averages. But I think it also reflects that, 
I mean, a mindset I wouldn't necessarily associate Stefanos Tsitsipas with, which is, you know, really wanting to push himself and test himself and, and learn. Because, I mean, I don't know that he's proven himself to be the best learner on tour in his career so far. He does seem to sort of keep making the same mistakes and keep telling the same stories. Hell, I don't know. Maybe he'll beat Alcaraz on Tuesday. But my my guess, my feeling would be that it's more likely um, that Alcaraz will do what he always does against him. Um, but that's that's just my guess. Um, there was some discussion about whether it would be a night match or a day match. Obviously, we'll learn that soon enough. But um, I think probably sits past... Well, he said he would prefer the day because you get a bit more pop on the ball, um, a bit more bounce on the court, whereas at night, you know, the conditions are a bit heavier, and I think that probably would suit Alcaraz. Um, so we'll be interesting to see which. I think probably that will be the night match because it's the best match, and I think Djokovic will want to play during the day, possibly first. So that's just my kind of rough guess. I mean, you'll probably know by the time this podcast comes out, so maybe it's not worth speculating. But that's my guess. You can you can see if I got it right or wrong. Um, as I mentioned, Karen Hatchinoff uh, made it through fairly routine stuff. I mean, he was a set down to Lorenzo Sinego, but then I think probably uh, Sinego's pretty long journey to the fourth round caught up with him, and, and Hatchinoff is just a better player, isn't he? So, and a good player on clay as well. You know, this he's become like a really consistent Grand Slam player now. I I know he's not the most exciting player in the world, um, but you know he is someone you can now pretty much rely on to win at least a couple of matches. Uh, he's now made two semi-finals in a row, US and Australia, and then the quarters here. Um, it's pretty good overall. Uh, he has been the quarters here before as well, back in 2019, I think it was. Is that right? Yes, it is. Just check. Um, where he lost to Dominic Team, a very good version of Dominic Team, who made it to the final. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he'll... You know, pose a bit of a challenge to Djokovic, but I think Djokovic won their last seven matches, so it's hard to see that going any other way than than the obvious. Let's move on to the women's draw, um, where there are a couple of slightly forgettable matches. Uh, Karolina Makova uh, bringing to end Alina Avanissian's remarkable run from losing in qualifying to reaching the fourth round, which is admirable. I always think coming as a lucky loser must be a bit weird because. I mean, it's not often in tennis you get to lose and then play again. Um, but yeah, she's going to go up to 80 in the world as a result of that. She's only 20. I don't know a huge amount about her, I have to say. But she's going to jump 54 places as a result of this run. So um, really big for her. She, she might, well, were it not a different circumstances, she might be a candidate for a Wimbledon wildcard because she, I think, will have to play qualies as things stand. But um well, she's Russian, and uh, I don't think Wimbledon are going to give an international wildcard to a Russian uh, on, under any circumstances. Uh, that actually point was put to Anastasia Pavlichenkova, who beat Elise Mertens, came from a set down to beat uh, a slightly hampered Elise Mertens, who had a hip problem that she said meant she couldn't run left. Um, so she was sort of running right to go left. No, she wasn't, but she said it was hard. Um, but yeah, afterwards, Pavlichenkova was asked about because we, we've been talking about visas recently in the press room. And so we asked Pavlichenkova and she said, well, actually, I've already got a visa for the UK, but I'm not going to Wimbledon because I, I didn't get in because she was ranked pretty much outside the top 300 uh, when the entry deadline passed, which is six weeks before the tournament. 
And uh, Molly McElway from The Telegraph, who uh, is a good friend, um, she said, oh, um, do you not think based on your run here, there's a chance of potentially getting a wild card? <laughs> Pavlyuchenko's response, are you serious? <laughs> do you think after the situation last year, they'd give me a wild card this year? Um, which really made, and her face is a picture. And uh, Molly said, well, you can only ask a reply. And she said, I can try and ask. Thank you, you're right. Uh, I will try and ask, and I'll let you know in the next press conference. Fingers crossed. <laughs> like, really funny. Really funny. I mean, technically, you don't have to apply for a wild card. Like, you can obviously tell the tournament you want to play, but, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. You don't have to put in an application. So, it's sort of a nominal thing, but... Yeah, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Uh, I mean, Pavlyuchenko, frankly, having been out for like nine months last year, getting through to the quarterfinals here is a remarkable achievement, to be quite frank. Um, All of which leads us on to the two big matches of the day, arguably, which were Alina Svitolina beating Daria Kasatkina, um, 6-4, 7-6. It was a great match, full crowd on Long Glen. I know Calvin talked about women's matches, not getting the crowds in, but I can tell you Long Glen was packed for this one as it was yesterday for Goff and Dreva. And, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a tight match, really tight. Um, I think in the second set, there were something like seven or eight breaks of serve, uh, including when Svitolina was trying to serve the match out uh, twice at 5-4 and then at 6-5. She only had one match point, actually, in those games. But, yeah, Kasatkina's just so sticky and so hard to put away and she really was really sticky and eventually in a really exciting tie break uh, Svitolina triumphed 7-5 and then more things happened as you can imagine there was no handshake um, Alina Svitolina has made that very clear that, that she wouldn't shake hands with a Russian or Belarusian player but Daria Kasatkina for people who don't know has been about as close to outspoken on Russia as you really can be without, you know, actually putting your friends and family back in Russia at risk. And she lives in Spain now and trains there. She's come out um, in a same-sex relationship. Uh, She had in her box yesterday uh, someone called Zemfira Ramazanova, who has been declared an enemy of the state by the Russian security services uh, for speaking out against Putin. So, you know, while Daria Kasatkina is technically Russian, Svitolina said lots of nice things about her in advance as well, that, that she felt, you know, she was admired what she had said. They didn't shake hands. Uh, you may remember in the first round that Marta Kostyuk didn't shake hands with Irina Savalenka and got booed. And I think Kasatkina was trying to avoid that situation. So as soon as the match was over, she made a beeline for the umpire, you know, not going to the net shook the umpire's hand and then looked at Svitolina and gave her a thumbs up. And I think that was reciprocated as well by Svitolina. Actually, the cameras didn't catch it and I couldn't see it. Um, but then the French crowd booed her off, which was both unfair and frankly uninformed. Um, Kasakina tweeted about it this morning. She said, leaving Paris with a very bitter feeling. All these days after every match I've played in Paris, I always appreciate and thank the crowd for support and being there for the players. But yesterday I was booed for just being respectful on my opponent's position not to shake hands. Me and Alina showed respect to each other after a tough match, but leaving the court like that was the worst part of yesterday. Be better, love each other, don't spread hate, try to make this world better. 
I will love Roland Garros no matter what, always and forever. See you next year. Which I think is an incredibly, incredibly mature thing to say. Uh, and yeah, fair play. That was pretty impressive. Um, and, and great for, story for Svitolina as well, who obviously gave birth to a little girl, Sky, in October. Has been working her way back, played some ITF events, won the title in Strasbourg last week or two weeks ago now. And is now into a quarterfinal in her first slam back. So, great news. She's going to play Arena Sabalenka, which is the biggest confrontation between a Ukrainian and either a Russian or Belarusian uh, athlete since the war began. I, if someone can think of another one, then I'm happy to be corrected. But um, it was Rob Moore, the son, who pointed that out to me, and I'm pretty sure he's right, as he so often is. Uh, that is going to be a f- might be quite a fraught occasion, I think. Uh, Arena Sabalenka last night beat Sloane Stevens in the first night match on Roland Garros uh, on Philip Chatrier, I should say. I was slightly concerned that it was going to be a blowout when Sabalenka took a five-love lead in the first set, but then Stevens started fighting back, and you know, again, another really sticky player, uh, and she had great rally tolerance against Sabalenka. She made her hit so many balls. Um, I think on another night she could have won it, but she just doesn't quite have the weapons, I think, on which, you know, just makes it hard to win points on clay. I think, ironically, while clay can neutralise big hitters, for the biggest hitters, it's like, well, they actually are able to hit through the court rather than the other way around. So, anyway, it wasn't, you know, the result in some ways was secondary. Um, it was... Um, it was really about what happened afterwards. We received a text message saying, press announcement, Arena Sabalenka will not be doing a general press conference tonight. An interview with a WTA editorial reporter will be conducted shortly and transcribed and distributed. This is a slight improvement on the situation two days ago when they um, when they basically just snuck out the transcript without telling anyone what had happened and claimed it was a press conference. I think it's... Look, this is from someone inside the media bubble, and I'm sorry if this sounds privileged or you think I'm wrong, but press conferences are part of the job, as we said when Naomi... And we appreciate that sometimes players don't want to do them and don't feel they're in a position to do so, but I know of at least one player this week who missed their press conference after a match because she didn't fancy it, and I don't think that's okay. Um... If Sabalenka came in yesterday and the moderator or her agent, or, well, I'm mean not her agent because he never talks, but if the moderator just said, look, um, Arena's here to talk about the tennis and, um, you know, issues surrounding the French Open. Uh, she's been asked about the war in Ukraine and she's made her position clear. We'd appreciate no more questions on that topic. I think everyone would have respected that. I really do. Um they might have said, look, you're playing Alina Svitolina in the next round. And, you know, she's made her stance very clear. How does that make you feel? But, like, I don't think anyone would have asked her specifically about her position. As it was, she did an interview with a WCA reporter, as stated. There were no questions about um, the fact that Svitolina has been a very public critic of um, Belarus and players not speaking out against the war. Of course. Barely a question about Svetlina at all, to be honest. So, I mean, what do you expect? 
Um, so we'll just see. I mean, it's hopefully it'll be a really good tennis match, but there are also obviously um, bigger issues surrounding that. Um, yeah, I, I, I've said a lot. Listen to the previous podcasts because I think I've probably said everything I need to say on it. But that's the the news, and make of that what you will. That's all we've got time for today. Uh, there's obviously matches going on um, this afternoon. I don't think it's a great day of tennis, frankly. I just think there's a few one-sided matchups. The night match is Zverev Dimitrov, which I think will be decent. Um, I'm going to be doing some TV tonight with Renee Stubbs on Amazon Prime Video. So I think it's in the US. So if you're in the US and you want to um, see my face, then uh, yeah, I'm doing a segment on uh, the first week of Roland Garros in the Power Hour uh, with Renee Stubbs on Amazon Prime Video, so you can track it down there. Um, otherwise, just please do make sure you come back tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.